I see here. So there's Queen Latifah. Uh, queen Beyonce. Bay. Bay is queen. Uh, Aretha Mary J. Franklin. Blige. Aretha Mary J. Blige. Blige is queen. Queen of what? Queen, queen of, of hip-hop soul. Queen of hip-hop soul. And then what? Uh, Aretha Franklin. Queen of soul. Yeah. Um, RuPaul. Yes. Queen. Queen. Those are the only queens we recognize around here. We not recognize. Oh, queen Latifah, Latifah, Latifah. Oh yeah, Queen Latifah. Queen Latifah. The Queen what? Latifah. The t what happened to Queen Latifah? None. She ain't nothing. Not. No, she good. On the other side though. Doc is coming here tomorrow. be careful with how we uh, how we talk about this how we go into this right and so i am so excited at the fact that i have a a, a scholar and an emerging a scholar practitioner i'll call myself an emerging scholar practitioner yeah. and then h as the other scholar uh and you want to be like a junior scholar not none i'm just emerging for right now I'm emerging not right now until that book yeah, get, until that until that big dog book get published hey all right cool so i'm gonna set this up and i'm setting it up in a violent kind of way as always right oh so 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 you got let's see you got second let's let's say second generation caribbean folks specifically jamaican people right and so uh the queen elizabeth ii uh just passed away 96 years old um r.i.p so make sure I put that out there and whatnot because like I, I'm, not, I'm not celebrating anybody's death. However, um, you know we, we celebrate life and death, right? But like we got to name some things uh, with regards to like talking about this whole thing, right? And so a, a lot of the, the the second generation Jamaicans that that I've met that have come over to the United States, and I'm not saying all, so I don't want to make this an all encompassing argument here. But a lot of them are the same ones that are like Americans don't have any work ethic. You black Americans don't have any work ethic. You guys are lazy. You guys are this. You guys are that. Right. And like it's all this naming and framing of of, of, of folks that, that have been in this country and that have experienced racism to levels that levels of submission, I'll say. Right. Yeah. Like racism can make you submit. And so the same kind of colonialism was happening over in, in Jamaica. Historically. Right, but yet we celebrating this white woman uh, like like she like she's the coronation of of of, of Mary, uh, Jesus' mother. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I'm 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 trying to understand. I need y'all's help on this. What's happening? It's all cap. It's all. Ca <laughs> I see you with your cap on. <laughs> cap. Why is it cap, dog? Why is it cap? The thing is, is that y'all know I love nuance. Yes. Right? Can but in work. this case, there is no nuance. Like, and, and for me, what I don't understand when I've talked to people about this is the same level of disdain that people had for our former president, President Trump, because of the blatant racism 
walls, xenophobia, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He did that in the U.S. The British monarchy did that across the globe and brutalized and committed genocide under her watch. So on the one hand, I don't, um, I don't celebrate the death of people. But what I do call for is reflective moments on their life so that there's this complete picture. Furthermore, if Prince Charles, King Charles, whatever the heck it is of whoever, was about that life, why do you even need a monarchy? And you have the same people who advocate for voting rights. We need to make sure we have voting rights. Monarchies are antithetical to democracy. Last thing I'll say, there's this diamond I was reading about that sits on the top of, I don't know, whatever this fancy hat is that she has. That joint worth $400 million, stolen from South Africa. She ain't got to give it back. Like we just, we just letting all this stuff slide. But yet you got some of these same folks who will talk about the U.S. government needs to give us reparations. I just, I don't get it, man. We spent more time in the U.S. talking about that than the um, crimes in Jackson, Mississippi. Hey, hey, so, so listen, I don't, I don't, because this, this is a good topic to talk about. This is a good place to land on. Yeah, I'm not against reparations at all. <laughs> so let let's be clear about that. Like we done been through some shit, and we still going through some shit. Like I'm talking, like you know, it, it, even when you talking talking about what's happening down in Jackson, Mississippi. The environmental racism that's purposely happening Correct. in our black communities and in rural white communities, right? So it's, it's not just like it's it's not like it's just happening in black communities. It's happening amongst the poor, right? And, right. and these these one percenters, these these folks that are in Congress that 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 we elect the office, they don't give two shits about if y'all got running water, if y'all got if that water is brown. Because listen, I've been seeing some of that water. That water is black. And here's the thing, right? And this is where I'm choosing violence. I hold black folks who are political leaders responsible. How much money is the Congressional Black Caucus spending on CBC annual legislative? Wow, that is violent. <laughs> right, though. Go ahead, Doc. Like, <laughs> again, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not suggesting that they don't do that. But like, are they raising money during CBC to support not giving people bottles of water, but fixing a broken system because the Mississippi government doesn't care enough to actually fix the water system? You know, and like there are people debating on Twitter. Oh, well, you know, they they don't they have clean water in Flint. No, they don't. You need a filter in order to have clean water out of the tap. You can't turn the tap on and drink the water in Flint. Like what yeah. type of society have we created where this is the norm and like people yeah. are okay with it. I, I just don't, I, I I just have a deep problem with it because it, it it's, it's like, we don't want to name a thing, a thing. Yeah. We don't want to name the British mar monarchy as not a vestige of white supremacy, but a part of modern day white supremacy. Yeah. Like, and that's the part for me that's like, 
yo, like, come on, y'all. Like, we ain't got to piss on our grave, but, like, we need to hold them accountable. Yeah. And like, so, like, that, that hold accountable thing is the thing that, like, gets me, right? And so I think a few things. <laughs> I find it so interesting um, the way that people on Twitter and others have been responding as though to not, um, you know, to feel some kind of way about her passing is in some way like, how dare you? You don't like value human life. What kind of person are you? Like, you should celebrate. Who talks bad about the dead? Well, y'all always talk bad about the dead when they black and brown. When when Trayvon, Trayvon Martin was murdered, all a lot of people wanted to go to his Instagram post and talk about his grades and how he behaved. Or when uh, all of them, right? They want to go back into your history and look at the things that you have done that are negative and say, well, this is an indication of kind of why that happened. And so I don't get the hypocrisy around why when people are critical about the decisions that the queen made, if they, when they bring up 1947, when she was in Cape Town in South Africa, and that was the beginning of apartheid and the impact that apartheid had on South Africa and those people and the government and the economy and the education system. And the, and the people who got paid off of that, right? So this isn't just about, oh, these are small issues that happened in very concentrated areas of the globe. These are issues that impacted economies all over the place. And so why is it that we can have to keep our mouths shut and not be critical of the queen and some of the things that happened when we don't keep that same energy when we're talking about the depth of other kinds of folks? That's first. I think, too, to bring your point in about Jackson and the push that we need from Black legislators, Black voices, there's a lot of Black people who still aren't talking about the water in Jackson. And I'm like, wait, what? Y'all should be, like, we are always critical of mainstream media where they don't bring stuff up, but it's not enough of us talking about it too, right? So shout out to those people who are naming it, who are saying that this is not okay. But we also have to understand that this is, it's bigger than like, not okay in the sense of they should be doing better. It is a a, a very real tangible example of how little they value us in our lives, how little they value our existence, our children. Just, you don't even have water. Like, oh, and just boil the water. Like, you'll be fine. Like, it's just the, 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 the obvious ways that they do not value the existence um, and the protection of people for their basic human Right. Like we're not even talking about what I think I deserve. Like I can't turn on the tap in my home where I pay rent, a mortgage or some kind of fee. I can't turn on the water and expect that it can be okay to feed my children, to bathe in, to wash my clothes in. And then I'm still expected to go out and clock in the work. I'm still expected to go out and do whatever it is that I'm supposed to do, because if not, then I'm penalized and then to blame the victim, to then blame them as though piping and infrastructure is something that they have control over, again, gets to that same hypocrisy. Like we gotta keep this lens of who, what are we really talking about and name that thing and not keep like brushing over it as though this is just a problem with the infrastructure and we have lots of money that'll come there and we'll get it all fixed. Like, no, in the meantime, you this is impacting people's lives, their day-to-day -day lives. This is impacting people's lives, their, their families' lives, their grandmothers, their, all the people who may have been impacted by the queen's decision, by some politician's decision around raggedy water and pipes and what they decide to prioritize. And it's not cool. And I just, and you know, I was watching a clip, and it's the last thing I'm going to say. I was watching a clip about Toni Morrison. One of those, her, you know, they always have these beautiful, amazing clips of her. 
and she was talking about people's response to um, Rodney King and how it, she couldn't, she said what surprised her most was how long they waited. The, the trial was like eight, nine months, maybe a year. And it was only in their being disappointed that justice didn't come, that they didn't act it out, that you saw the riots, right? She said, but what made people wait? Like, how, how do, why do we keep waiting for justice? Like, just surprised at why we aren't acting more quickly. Like, when are we going to be mad about water and actually do something about it? Right? When are we going to be mad about schools and actually do something about it and stop just waiting for something to happen? It ain't never happening. So, really quick, want to jump in here, right? So, the first thing that I want to do is I want to contest what Doc just said about blaming black politicians. So, yeah, I blame them, but like, not the not to the extent of. You know, especially with what I know in Mississippi, right? Like Mississippi has always historic has uh, has treated its historically disenfranchised folks like crap, right? So want to make sure that we name that. And then also, uh, in Mississippi, the way that that state legislature is made up, it's like uh, many of those folks are Republican, white Republicans, right? And the governor uh, in Mississippi is is also a white Republican, and uh, the, the majority of of folks uh, um, in, in history, from the senators to the governors have been Republican-esque or Republican-adjacent uh, politicians, right? And so, you know, and, and that's not to say that, you know, some of those folks won't do the right thing. You know, of course they do when their feet are forced to the fire. But when not, uh, and oftentimes, which is the case, uh, we can't expect for these folks to just do right by Black folks, right? Because that just doesn't happen. That's just not how, how that is. And so when you have... A city such as Jackson, the capital of, of, of Mississippi, with 82 percent of the folks that represent as 82 percent or more of folks that represent as the majority and also represent as black Americans. Um, it doesn't surprise me that America doesn't give uh, a hoot about them. Right. And so when I see our president of the United States, that's out gallivanting. Uh, in Pittsburgh and, and, and all of these uh, industrial places where uh, there's an opportunity for uh, for us to gain for, for folks to gain Senate seats and, uh, and, and, and and put sway on on the midterm elections and also um, uh, the uh, upcoming 2024 elections like Mississippi's a red state and it's always going to be a red state. There's no flipping that state. And so therefore, um, you know, the importance of getting down to Mississippi and speaking out for those black folks um, is just not something that's that's on the to-do list. Which rings the question, where is that woman of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Ilk? Where is she at? I mean, they sent her down to the they sent her down to the border when she had no damn business down there. Uh <laughs> this would be a political win to send her to Jackson, Mississippi, amongst the black folks. Right. In order is to she demanding that she go. Is she like like I, I really want to know, like and I don't know enough about how these things work. Yeah, I, I would just think that. Um, the, the 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 ways in which. Movement can happen on some of this. Mm -hmm. At some point, you have to demand a seat. Yeah. At the table. And like you're the vice president of the United States. And again, I don't know whether this has happened. So I don't I don't want to get into speculation. Right. Yeah. I would think that there should be room for her to say. Not only am I going down there, I'm bringing the full weight of the federal government. And I'm bringing Doug. 
Right. I'm bringing my, my, my homie and my husband and we're going to ride down there and we're bringing the full weight of not just the federal government, but the full weight of Alpha Kappa Alpha. Yes. Yes. Right. Like, I just I just think that, and again, I don't I don't want to put like the burden on her because I think that that's also I wasn't doing that. I just yeah, want to yeah, say no, no, I'm not saying you are. I'm just saying yeah. I don't want to yeah. uh, make it seem like it's her responsibility uh, exclusively. But I also think that like, you know, with all of these billionaires in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, and some you of these can't put, like, you can't put it on them either, though, Doc. You can't put that on them. And you know me, my context is very much schools, right? And, yeah. and like long term. When things rarely ever did things happen at school that were like a surprise, right? Some stuff mm-hmm. is a surprise. You don't expect it to rain and oops, it's raining, bring the kids back in. Or, t- you know, but I can't imagine that brown, black water coming out of taps in the state yeah. capital was a surprise. Right. So like where where are the indicators? Where are the people who are supposed to test the water? Where are the the licenses? You know, I go on elevators and I see the certificates of the people who signed because they checked it. Like this isn't just about one day and one problem. This is about long term years of overlooking, not being in compliance, not paying attention, not funding things, not prioritizing it, because at the end of the day, you don't care about the lives and the people who are there. And so if I don't care about you, then I'm not even going to monitor what's happening with you, right? It's the same way. We can't look. This is why in education, in good education, we use data and we progress monitor. I would tell teachers, if you tell me that a kid's going to fail at the end of the year and this is the first time you knew it, then you are the problem and not that kid. 100%. So you, oh, hey, you better say it. You better say it. I'm not saying that every, but it shouldn't be as a surprise to you and if it is a surprise and everybody failed, then maybe the question is about how that teaching and learning went. So to get back to this, I am sure there were indicators. There's somebody's supervisor, district checker, somebody's complying something that's supposed to keep track of this water. Water just don't automatically turn brown like that. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> that's not yeah. like, oh, we working on the system and you'll see a disruption for an hour or two. Yeah. This is yeah. a problem. <laughs> That, that people knew was coming. And so that's the issue. Not only are you not responding to it when it becomes a crisis, you allowed it to be a crisis because at the end of the day, you do not care about the people and the residents of that city. And when things are bad for them, your answer is going to be similar to Katrina. Well, why don't you move? Why are you in Jackson anyway? Yeah. Why are you still there? Then you blame the victim. You blame the people who are supposed to be benefiting from the decisions that you are making. And that's not okay. Yeah. H. I, I don't know if you. I don't know if this happened when you was a kid, Rob. I don't know if this happened when you was a kid, but uh, down south, right? We used to play this game. We used to dig a hole, and they said if you dug the hole f- far enough through the Earth's core, you could get to China because China's supposed to be on the other side, parallel, right? It, it felt like they. It felt like Jackson had halfway to halfway to China and Earth's core, the way that water is pumping and the way that, that dirt look, the way because I don't even know that it's dirt. It's, it's, it's rust. Is is it's oppression. It's, it, 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 it looks like it's just oppression running out of the running out of the, the yeah. fossil. And what's gonna come after oppression? Capitalism. Depression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oppression, then depression, then capitalism. And so they're gonna create a yeah. situation where nobody can live there, yeah. gut it all out, and Fact. then rebuild. That was revitalization. Hey, listen, 
And Listen. now Jackson becomes the shining star of the city. But now all the black and the brown folks and all the white poor folks who are also still there get to yeah. not benefit from any of it. So that's, that's hey, what's coming. Listen, listen, H, H, the difference between this one and, 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 and Katrina is that this one's man-made, right? And so, but it's, 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 it's definitely some parallels. There's some parallels there. Some would argue that Katrina was too. Yeah, yeah if, 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 if you look at global warming and you look at, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the infrastructure and the, and the levees. The levees. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I can see that. I can see that argument. That's a, that's a, good, that's a good argument. That's a good point. All right, so uh, let's put a button on this uh, this this environmental racism uh, conversation because listen, it's not it's 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 not going away. It's not like it's going away. Like it's it, it's going to manifest itself in many different ways. I mean, you see Brandon, who was the mayor down in, in Baltimore, uh, putting out a warning about an E. coli warning uh, over in West Baltimore, like don't drink the water. You got to boil it first. Oh man, listen. <laughs> When I hear E. coli, that's triggering for me. That, that symbolizes feces for me in my thinking. So you have shit in your water and you telling me to boil it and I can drink it? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest challenge with that specifically is, again, that there's a lack of trust that we already have between those communities that are most reliant on accurate, updated information. Um, and when you start a rumor like that, it, it's similar to like, well, I ain't getting that vaccine. I don't know what's in it. I ain't drinking that water. They say I can drink it, but I'm still boil mine. Like there's this lack of trust that we already have between yeah. the people who are making decisions and those who are great, who are most greatly impacted by it. And I hate to hear that because like if I'm boiling, if you tell me that the water is good and I'm still boiling it, then I don't really trust you. And I kind of have to boil the water still because I don't really trust you. Because if I trusted you and you were making decisions that were good on my behalf, I wouldn't be in this situation to start with. Facts. Hey, listen, they, um, it was one of my, I, I think it was uh, my guy Chino who listens to our podcast sent me some information on, uh, on plastic, on, on the bottled water, right? He said, he, he said, Mr. Ankrum, uh, the best, water to drink right now is your refrigerator filtered water because the bottled water that's in the plastic packaging has like plastic particles or whatever and that's dangerous uh for, for your health as well and so uh i know you're adjacent to uh water uh, uh sir up there uh wh what are your thoughts on that you're on mute I ain't got no water filter on my refrigerator, so that's that's a problem in and of itself. So I just messed up. I ain't even got that type of refrigerator. I just I just got I just got a refrigerator and a freezer, hoping to keep the food cold and uh, frozen. So hey, wait, so wait, 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 because because people that migrated to the Midwest, right? They all came from the South, and so when you say you have a refrigerator and a freezer, is that all in one, or do you got a deep freezer? Because if you got a deep freezer, then that symbolizes uh, 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 an extension of wealth, right? If you're able to put really? what? Yes, my granny had a deep freezer. We're in Detroit. Listen, I'm no, telling I you that the, the fact the that Midwest people had deep freezers all the time. Hey, that symbolizes middle class for me, man. No, yeah, no. that's symbolic. No, that deep freezer is an investment because you know we're gonna have to buy this meat and keep it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But like, go longer. But but H you you got you you got to look at it like this right you got to look at it like well damn I can afford to be 
right? I can afford the meat at the time that I'm getting it, and now I need to preserve it, and so now I need to get something to preserve it, right? That's so cap, that's, a, that's a middle class. That's, that's a middle class ish because listen, that's cap. I nah 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 because like how many how many folks go in how many folks go into the grocery store right now, right? And they go right to the the, the packaged meat that's like I got to cook this today meat because that's the only meat that they can afford because the, the grocery stores have like slashed that meat in half in terms of pricing, because they know they got to get it out of there so it doesn't go bad. And so that makes it a win-win for the grocery store, and it makes it a win-win for the people that, that can't really afford, like, $10 a pound chicken, right? Because, like, you know, we, we got we to gotta name that, too. When you get into these grocery stores... Where they got $10 a pound chicken at? Bro, listen. This, it, so when we're talking about environmental racism, we also have to talk about food deserts as well. Oh, absolutely. And how that, and how that plays into... You know, just I would push it further and move us beyond food deserts and food yeah. apartheid. Yeah, right? there, there is a system in place for people to not be able to have access to quality food, right? And and it is one of the most frustrating things um, in 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 our lifetime that we have ignored food justice and food insecurity and mass and. Um, Malik Yakini has done some great work in this space in uh, Detroit. And there was an article about this brother. Uh, uh, and Baba Malik is, is an OG in Detroit. And uh, I've appreciated learning from him over the years about the need for us to control our own access to food. And, um, you know, and then they get into schools. And I, I mean, I know Ray talks a lot about this on social media. And then they give kids food that's just... How would you describe it, Ray? Like, Bruh, hey, listen. So, so I, I, one of one of the things. Let me put. Let me, let me go full screen right here. Um, so one of the things that I do as, as a soup is uh is I, I I taste the food that uh that that our kids are eating. Right? It's like, you know, my daughter's my student, and it's like I can't have a conversation with her about my expectations for her to eat the food if I'm not trying it myself. Um, as, in terms of like the quality of the food, so I think that's extremely important. So if you're a school leader. And you're expecting for these kids to not waste food. Make sure you're in there and you're tasting that food so that you can make changes, right? I think that uh, school systems get caught in these contracts to where a food vendor will come in and they'll bring you their best stuff on the front end, right? Yeah. And then what will happen is um, after a while, they'll start they'll stop caring. And if you're not holding their feet to the fire um, in terms of how you write those contracts, right? So, like, make sure that you give yourself the opportunity to get out after the first year. Because if they're not doing right by kids, then they shouldn't be in there as a vendor, right? And like a lot of this money is just, you know, it 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 just feels oh. like they feel like it's theirs, right? So like, you know, even though you're submitting for reimbursement and the federal government does a really good job with uh with, with um allowing you to kind of recoup money from the school lunch program, I would say the school lunch program is one of the most important parts of the day. Because without the proper nourishment, you, those kids aren't going to learn. And then if you have, again, you have poor and disenfranchised students that depend on this lunch. I mean, I, I wrote a blog recently yeah. about my interdependent, my interdependence on uh, those two meals a day, right? And so, you know, shout out to St. Tammany Parish Public Schools uh, down in Louisiana. But, um, you know, it's like I, I went to school with majority of white kids. But they knew, like, hey, I, I'm not going to drink my milk. So, like, if I'm not going to drink my milk, then who else is going to drink this milk? And that was something that was kind of, like, instilled in all of us. Like, let's not waste this. And so I think that we need to start looking at ways in which we can use that 
the food that's wasted every day in order to kind of partner with uh, with, 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 with local uh, homeless shelters and, and, and folks like that so that we can support them as well. Nobody in America should be hungry. We can't keep talking this shite about America is the richest country in the world, but then you walk into a place like Penn Station or, or whatever, and then you see like all these homeless folks. Like It's absolutely insane. Yeah. And I would say, too, like that connects back to the point about Jackson. I was just looking up um, the most valuable crops that come from Mississippi. And granted that this Mississippi is a very large state. This isn't just specific to Jackson. But it says cotton is the state's most valuable crop. The second is soybeans. Other major crops include rice, hay, wheat, corn, sweet potatoes and pecans. Right. And so we're talking about the impact of water on the residents and the folks who are there, we have to also be critical and think about what is the impact on other things on these systems. So if I, if we get, if they're the largest producer of pecans and the water's not clean and part of the state. I'm not eating, they, no, I'm not, I'm not eating no pecans. So this is how all these things work together. You're talking about environmental justice and food yeah. desert and food apartheid. But if we don't take care of the planet, then we won't be able to reap food from the planet. And so then the food that we do get becomes more expensive. And those who can't afford to have access to the food or who can't afford the food now become outside. And then, and so it just all goes together. And so we can't, and that's one thing I appreciate about the conversations that we have both on this podcast and the way we try to get other people to think. Doc calls it nuance, but all these things work together, right? I don't want to hear anybody's mouth talking about low achievement in Mississippi when we know that there are young people who don't have access to the things that they need. I don't want to hear anybody talking about teachers don't want to come to the places where we need them the most. Oh, you mean you want teachers to go and live in Jackson where they can't have water? Yeah. That's what you want? Oh, okay, because that's not going to happen. And so then we can't turn it into an opportunity where we, again, blame teachers, blame students, blame families, blame people who can't afford to do the thing that we would that we think we can because we have more access than them. It's the Ruby Payne model. Don't do that. H, hey, you're going to be mad at me. He I'm, looking for somebody. I'm looking for a condo right now. Guess where I'm looking? You're looking at Jackson? Why? Because it's going to be super cheap. And, and what's going to happen? And, and, what, and, and, and what's going to As soon as they decide that enough of us are not there, that it's yeah. worth the investment and the time and attention, similar to yeah. your spot in Baltimore, yeah. you're going to see a very large investment on your return. And it yeah. might even be the place where you retire. Because and I, and, and, and I feel, I feel terrible. H, H, I feel terrible about it. But I feel like I feel like I, I feel like I can't. I, 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 I feel like so it's you Bitcoin can't, when it, you can't even put your sentence together because was, you know it's wrong. It's Bitcoin when it was fifty dollars. But here's the thing, right? So I if we did that, then yeah. it's we should why don't we all do that? Why don't yeah. we say less as a black community, those yeah. of us who are middle to high, let's yeah. all get a little bit, put it in the pool, let's go buy up a block. And then when it returns, we're creating our own pipelines, we're creating hey, listen, our own schools, we create our own grocery stores. We can do that. Yeah, we definitely could do that. Hey, and with all with, we spend with enough money going to Martha's Vineyard, we we could do that. All right, I'm gonna put the screen on you because I'm not against Martha's Vineyard. But go ahead, You're go. Against a lot of stuff. Go. <laughs> I am not. Listen, man. Hey, look, we de- we deserve nice things too. Hey, listen, I'm I'm looking I'm looking. Um, damn, what's that show? 
the show that uh the show with uh not Matt, it ain't Matthew Matthew Broderick, even though they remind me of each other. Uh Bateman, Justin, Justin Bateman. Ozark? Yeah, Ozark. So I'm I'm look I'm looking at some 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 water down uh some water property lakefront property down in, in Ozark because I want to go and fish. I feel like that I feel like that's tranquil for me. Like I feel like you know once I get fifty that's different than like Martha's Vineyard and and my feelings about Martha's Vineyard. So what are your feelings about Martha's Vineyard, sir? So first of all, when I I mean somebody asked me like oh well you know Simmons we know you've been to the vineyard and I and and I and I'll be honest growing up in Detroit. I had never heard of Martha's Vineyard. I was like, who, like, Martha got a little vineyard for us? Like, who is Martha? Like, what, what, what is, I had never heard of it in full transparency. Like, I didn't know, I ain't know nothing like that because growing up in Detroit, I mean, we we went to Belle Isle, which was the city-owned park. That was, that was our vineyard, and it was in the city. It was in the middle of the Detroit River. You know, we went and got on the giant slide, got a couple of concussions. <laughs> went to the school, you know, had the fresh aroma of uh, of hemp around, and like that was it. So when I got here, people were like this Martha's Vineyard thing. I did my research, and I was like, I ain't get it. Like I was just like, so what? Like I, I I don't know. Like I just didn't understand, and still don't understand, and just find that there was a. And I won't mention no names because uh, you, you I, I usually don't have a problem naming names, but this time I won't. There was a whole meeting about issues of race and equity <laughs> with black folks in philanthropy. And the people sent me the email like, oh, and it's on Martha's Vineyard. Man, I opened up this document, bro. It's $1,500 a night. Facts. Hey, listen. And I was like, I'm I, like, invited to, I was invited to I was invited to the same one, man. And, 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 so, and so here's the thing. For $1,500 a night? Yeah. Like, I need to be able to go to the crap table. Oh, boy. <laughs> I need some entertainment. But sitting around Not talking about those most marginalized in a place that reproduces our desire to be proximate to whiteness because we can't go to Cape Cod. I ain't, I, I I don't get it, man. I just think it's like it, it it's just it just seems so odd to me the fascination that people have, you know, and maybe one day I'll go and just be like, all right, I've been, but like. <laughs> I don't get it. Like, and, 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 you know, and I, I have adult ADD. So for me, I'm like, so what do I do all day? Sit around and talk to y'all? Like, but what? there could also be, um, and I've never been to the vineyard. I've Maybe we just need to go. Them. Maybe we need to go on a, a on a three times podcast retreat. I do think that there is this craving for, um, <laughs> community of like like black try to talk her way into the vineyard that's what she doing you know what they would allow me until i took my shirt sleeve off and then they saw and then they'd be like yeah they'd be like they'd be like sis you in the wrong um well yeah you need to go this way are you working here this summer are you here in but don't they have something something similar down at uh in maryland that that kind of that off the water view, what is that called? National Harbor. National Harbor. Yeah, that's not, I, no, I, that's a, no, I, that's, that's different. I think I think the allure of Martha's Vineyard is closer to what Doc said. It's the thought of of black excellence of these communities that you know 
to part of it, it feels like it hasn't necessarily been infiltrated by whites. And there's a, a certain level of, of credentials that you have received and achieved to be there. And I know if it's costing $1,500 a night, then you're already boxing out a certain number, certain kind of people, certain kinds of communities. And a, lot I of, a, lot folks, a lot of those folks are charging that shit on the, on the companies. Yeah, maybe. But there is something about like community. Like sometimes in my wildest dreams, I do dream about a place where it feels like that all the time, right? Where it feels like Detroit, it feels like Chicago, it feels like Southeast. So let's go there. Right. But the thing is, the problem is so much of that has been tainted with other things, right? Like if, if you don't have the the lens to see the beauty in these places, the beauty in the hood, the beauty in the communities, the beauty in the brokenness, then then you'll condemn it and think that there isn't any beauty there and there's and i guess the point is that there is beauty all over you don't have to retreat to these special places that cost so much to say here is where black excellence is there's black excellence on martin king's boulevard right it might be some, some other things there too but if you want to and you find it it can be there and and it should be valued in the same kind of way I, again, I hear you. I, I just, again, when I think of the vineyard, it reminded me of going to uh, places like Kiwa Island in South Carolina when I was in Charleston this summer. And I just, I'm going to Charleston soon. What should I be looking for? Looking, them, looking at them trees where they hung Negroes, like right. oh boy, out oh boy, like in Charleston, where there are block, there are still concrete blocks where they sold black bodies, which is similar. Since I can choose violence at this point, which is very similar to the critique that I've heard from some folks of the NFL combine. Yeah, you got to talk more about that about putting that one together for me, sir. Yeah, NFL Combine. These brothers, largely black men, stripped down today to their draws, and they are stood on a block. Hold up your arms. It is to that, and they are you know your measurements are taken, and and it's value great. is put no. on. It's not, not necessarily the measurements, right? I think it's not just the measurements. It's that there is an assessment of your worth based on that. Measurement. And so since you are this fast and this tall, we can assume that you will perform this way and that will generate us this money. So you are worth this amount. That's, it's I'm not, not, like, not and, I, and again, there's nuance to it because for a lot of them brothers who do it, like that's their ticket out of their community. I was listening to the story of Todd Gurley uh, yesterday on YouTube. And he, I think he came from someplace in the Carolinas or someplace and um, <laughs> he originally wanted to be a basketball player and his, uh, he grew up very poor in rural America and that was his ticket. And when he signed like a contract for five years and a three, whatever the number was, it was, it was like life changing money. And he's, he's not in the NFL at the moment, but he's made like 50, $60 million in like a six year period, but he had to stand on that block to get there. And I, I, I'm not suggesting that they don't. I just think that, there are parallels to these these things that I see in society that uh, article that uh, art, um, authors like Bill Roden, for example, writes about. David Zirin is another. Hey, uh, and he's only twenty eight. Yeah, he often leave. He his he has very bad yeah, knee. That knee the, the knee. Yeah, yeah, he had like knee issues or stuff like that. So I'm not suggesting brothers don't go to the combine because you know like it's either that or like not go and. Then you have the stigma of that, but I, I just, I just see these parallels. But uh, back to Martha's Vineyard, I, 
<laughs> I don't know, man. Like, Charles, hey, y'all, better not start, y'all better not make no whole conversation talking about talk, no whole talk talking about this boy going to the Hall of Fame. He ain't got number 16, 6, uh rushing yards either. You know how y'all like to put black people in the hall. I don't, I mean, I don't get into the NFL Hall of Fame because <laughs> I think the ceremony is dumb and is boring. I, right, I so, so speaking of which, before we close this thing out, right? Detroit about to get their ass kicked tomorrow. Let me put the the, the the spotlight on you, sir. What are your thoughts, hopes, and dreams for this season? <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Luckily, I don't have my Detroit stuff and my gear down here. Um, uh, Ray, but, put it back in the middle. <laughs> all, that, all that said, you know, um, I... It, I'm conflicted for Sunday because my <laughs> default team, and I'll, I'll I'll accept this from H and Reef and uh, Branch and all my people from Philly because in all of my life, Baltimore and Philly are the two places I feel most safe because it's it's Detroit on the East Coast. Ray, you can disagree, but I feel like I can show up and be Negro in Philly, yeah. Baltimore. Just like in Detroit, where right. you can also show up and die. That's not true. I'm not gonna <laughs> let you do that. Like, I'm not if somebody you jacked them, there'd be somebody calling, being like, "Girl, what happened? Like, you got yeah. people. You got community. <laughs> you got people, right? And I got people in both cities. So, so and not DC. Not DC. DC doesn't fall into that bucket. Uh, I gotta be in Ward Seven and Ward Eight in DC. The rest okay. of it, I feel like I'm in. I mean, you may as well be in the suburbs in a lot of ways in DC. <laughs> right. You know where you went? Like it's. Yeah, it's a whole different planet. But but I, I usually by week three, my bluster about the Lions wears off mm-hmm. and my excitement. But this year, unlike the past two years, because I was so disgusted in them, I actually got the NFL Sunday ticket so that I could watch all of the games, which is a step well, up. Well, send me that password. <laughs> Y'all going to get him blocked. They won't even do that anymore. Next <laughs> TV is like, Simmons blocked. I'm going to be like, really? Ray sold the thing. So I, I am I am hopeful that my prediction is we will go from three wins to five or six wins. And then next year we'll make the playoffs. That's yeah, my if prediction. you if y'all don't go in the close man, this dude up his lowering expectations and shit. <laughs> no, like I have realistic expectations. I'm not like I'm not like them football fans in DC and in Dallas where they think every year they go in the Don't do that. Don't do that to my cowboys. Don't do that. Them cowgirls, man, are, are trash. Don't yo. do that. Don't do that. Don't like, do that. All the, all the cow, cowboy fans that I run into, they're like, oh, well, you know, back in the day. I'm like, dude, back in the day, like, was 30 years Bro, ago. Hey, listen, like, it's, a, it's, a current, it's a current hex on the cowboys based off of how Jerry Jones treated Terrell Owens. It's not even a hex. It's poor ownership and leadership. Yeah, and, and, it, it, and it started and magnified itself by the way that he treated. It started Terrell when Owens. he bought the team. Well, yeah, true. So my Wait, did he won a he won a chip with with Jerry Jones with Jerry Jones, huh? That was like thirty years ago. Yeah, so you can't say it started when he bought the team if he won a chip. Uh, I'm not a Jerry Jones fan, and and me I, either. Me, bro, when you talking about uh uh South Carolina, you talking about the NFL Combine in Indianapolis? Yeah, that's that's you, Jerry no, Jones my, is right in the middle of both of those things. My me. prediction, Ray. I'm gonna go on record as my yeah. prediction for Sunday. Yeah, I'm taking the Lions by three. 
I think the Eagles and all of these predictions that they're going to go to the Super Bowl, it's all cap. Because Jalen Hurts hasn't proven anything. Just Bro, Jalen Hurts. Well, first of all, first of all, Jalen Hurts has proven one thing to me. Mm. What's that, Ray? Yeah. <laughs> That's all he got to prove to you. That's all he got to prove. I, I know. So if he did that, he I did. know he battle tested. I know he's ready to go. Oh, I didn't know he was a Q. Yes, sir. That doesn't yeah. change my opinion because that doesn't carry any weight on the football field. Because it, it, as a matter of fact, it carries a, a whole lot of weight on the football field. When you score them touchdowns and you, you throw I, I them hooks up, baby. According to CBS Sports, that Jalen Hurd is the only player with 4,000-plus passing yards and 1,000-plus rushing yards through 20 career starts. So I think he has done a few things. Um, go to the stats. That's what I'm going to the know, stats. You know, I'm database. I'm based in research. Of, um, I like no, you know, walking out like to look at the numbers. I, I'm willing to accept the lonely journey as a Lion fan amongst all of my – amongst the village – I'm usually the only one in the room. Uh, and I just want to make sure I receive my flowers uh, if we pull off the upset. You and furthermore, furthermore, as I've said to Sharif, and he never responded because he didn't want to engage in this, we can happily talk about the NBA and the Sixers and the Pistons at any moment because we definitely have more chips than uh, the Sixers. Definitely. Well so, so speaking of which, with, with Sharif and this brand Jordan deal, right? I, I go into the Nike the Nike store yesterday, and I see some retro so retro one. I, I saw some retro one low tops. And for me, when you put the limit at at at, uh, at one, you can only buy one per per person per transaction. I it immediately springs me to StockX because I'm like, all right, how much I can make off this shoe that I'm not gonna wear? Right? Fair enough. And so, and so, uh, the markup was probably about maybe like $20, $25. And yesterday, at the time that I was there, that wasn't really worth my time to have to go and box it up and ship it out and do all these other things. But shout out Reefus for uh, for getting that, that Jordan brand endorsement, man. He ain't I, got I, no excuse for uh, showing up nah. to the conference in Philly without a new pair of J's. Without a new That's pair of J's. At least, at least some team J's. At least some team J's. I mean, he should bring a box for us too. I feel like, yeah. I feel, I like, feel yeah. like Brother Reef would give out boxes before he puts the box of shoes, the shoes in the box. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. He won't have. He won't that's have. That's because he got. That's because he got them. He got. He got them fat New Balance feet. <laughs> they don't fit in the J. It's, yeah. it's a design. It's a design complex. It's a sitting in the design. It won't. All right. Hey, close this thing out. What's your closing thought? So here's my closing thoughts. Um, one of the things that Doc often names is the work we were able to do around community and family engagement when I was the principal in DCPS. And every year they do standing ovation awards and they give them out um, for different things, innovation, some other stuff. And yesterday they announced the new winners. And for this year, one of the three winners was my old assistant principal, who's Dr. Calvin Hooks who worked with Doc when he was a part of the Empowering Males of Color. That was actually one of the first conversations I had with Doc. Doc was leading that work in DCPS. My assistant principal was a black male educator. I knew that there were things that would be important to him to be connected in this community. Long story short, his school won the Family and Community Building Award. Um, and when he sent the picture to me, he's at Hyde Addison, so shout out to Dr. Hooks and to the amazing people that are there. But it made me so proud because I think we often talk about the impact of leaders and teachers and like what they do in their schools, but the thought that you could 
that our work will last beyond our physical presence in that room or building or organization. And he immediately said when he found out that they got it, he was so proud and immediately thought of me. And so shout out to Dr. Hooks and the amazing people who are still continuing in the legacy of the work that we started around building good, strong relationships with families and communities. I see y'all here with that Parcells leadership. Parcells. Build it. We build it. We build it. And I told him, I said, oh, Doc, I said, um, Dr. Hook, as the only person who has won the award twice, tell DCPS I'm happy to come and introduce you and give you the award. That's full circle, right? I yeah. Yeah. Award for you. That's Cap. You know DCPS don't want you back there. You're too messy. I know. That's terrible, right? Shame. Yeah. <laughs> Doc, close the thoughts. Uh, my closing thoughts are um, for Black parents who are working at uh, all hours of the day to support their children, um, because I think that uh, it's been a challenging start of the school year for our five-year-old transitioning to kindergarten. Um, and so I, I think that uh, there is no manual um, for being a, a parent, in particular being a black parent, raising black boys. And I uh, just wanna, wanna have my message be for all those doing that, to give yourself some grace um, as you work with your kids, to love them and nurture them through the uh, early days, early months of this uh, school year. Uh, so just, I've learned a lot of valuable lessons watching my five-year-old navigate the transition uh, in the kindergarten and just have some challenges where he's, you know, he just wants to play. He's, he's still trying to process. I got to sit here and listen to this story, even though he's done it before. So shout out to all the parents, black parents in particular, you know, just, just helping their kids navigate, uh, this re-entry back into school. So it's my message. Yeah. Man, listen, I'm just glad that they're back in schools. Right. Yeah. Man. Um, yeah. uh, so I, I think my, I'm going to take my, um, my final thoughts in order to, uh, interrogate uh, systems in, in, in New York State. And so um, I applauded New York State earlier in the year for their release of test score data, right? I feel like this has been one of the earliest years in which they have given the test score data to stakeholders and end users in order for them to be able to use that data in order to uh, make RTI groups and do all the things that, uh, that, that, that are needed um, in terms of the slow turnaround that's usually yielded uh, with state test results. But what they did not do is they did not put access for other people's data, right? So like everything has been embargoed for like a month. And so if you have this embargo data for a month, there is no way that a parent can say, oh, this school is trash. I'm getting my kid out of this school because the parent only knows their individual data and they do not know how the school performed. And I think that this is, um, this is uh, an immediate response to charter schools and school choice and folks being able to utilize uh, opportunities in order to advance um, their children's academic careers by using school choice. I think that New York State purposely limited access to this data in order to keep kids and keep families where they are so that they wouldn't have a choice. And so I wanted to name that uh, I know it'll come back to bite me in five years when I go up for renewal, but I won't be in education in five years, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. You must come around and be the secretary of education in five years. <laughs> 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 
I'll be retired reti- either in Jackson or uh, in Ozark <laughs> fishing. <laughs> so you guys have been listening to another episode of Three Times Though Podcast, where we give you the real every week. We will see you next week. Peace. <laughs>